Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for your amazing work that you do in our lives. We thank you for reminding us this month who we are. Last week, you reminded us that we are your children. And today, you remind us and teach us that we are citizens of heaven. So, Father, I pray that you will bless this message, that you will receive all the honor and glory, and that you will use this servant to proclaim, to teach your word and your word only. May you be exalted. May you be glorified. May you be magnified. It is all about you. Father, now the words that I speak and the meditation of my heart may be pleasing to your holy sight. In the holy name of Christ we pray. Amen. As we walk this journey of life, we will end up somewhere. For some, they will carefully plan step by step where they want to end up. For others, planning is not in their uh, DNA. They like to be spontaneous. They like to live by the moment by moment. But depending on what stages we are in as a student, as a young professional, as a husband or a wife, a parent, it all looks different, but the fact of the matter is, we will end up somewhere. We all know that one day, our life here on earth will come to an end. The Bible teaches us that we have a final destination that was determined by God. Although we like having choices, the Bible teaches us that there's only two choices where that we will end up. The first choice is the kingdom of heaven. The second choice is hell. I know that we don't like to talk about hell, that we would love more like to talk about, you know, heaven that's more positive, that's more optimistic, that's more, that's the place that we would end up. But do you know that Jesus talked about hell more than heaven? Because he wanted to give a strong warning. I created that place. You don't want to be there. fact of the matter is, again, there are two choices, kingdom of heaven or hell. There is no third choice. Although we like choices, the Bible gives us only two choices. Therefore, Paul writes a letter to the church of Philippi explaining this, reminding, the, reminding them as well as us today that the role that we, you and I, should stay on the road that leads to heaven and not hell. This morning we will open up the Bible in Philippians chapter 3 and we will discover as Christians that you and I, we are citizens of what? Heaven. And he also teaches us what we should avoid as citizens of heaven. So please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or your electronic device, or you could turn behind, look behind me on the big screen. Now, Paul's desire was always, always to grow mature in his walk with Christ. 
And I hope that is the desire for me and for you as well. And as an Uptown Baptist Church, that our desire is that we would always want to grow and become mature in Christ Jesus. Not only for the sake, not only for his sake, but for the sake of others as well. Why do we need to mature? Not for my sake only, but for the sake of others. The people that are around you, your families, your co-workers, your colleagues, your employer or your employee, or your fellow students. He wanted us to live a life that is example that others can follow. And the question that I have to ask all of us, beginning with me, am I living a life that I can say to others, follow my example? Or are we going to say, don't look at me, look at the cross. Isn't that the easy thing to say? We like to hide behind the cross. Yes, we hide behind the cross, but that's the easy thing for us to say. But again, as Paul reminds us, that again, how many of us can really say, follow my example, like as Paul is going to teach us, follow my example as I'm going to follow the example of Christ. Notice in verse 17, Paul begins and by says this, join together in following my example. Church, join together following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Let me press the pause button here. Can Paul, when he looks at Upon Baptist Church, can he say, keep your eyes on Upon Baptist Church? Because they are living like Christians. Because they're living like disciples of Christ. Followers of Christ. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And I hope and pray, Uptown Baptist Church, are you with me? That we will be the beacon of light in this community. Amen? Paul is inviting the church, imitate him as he follows Christ. It's easy for us to talk the talk, isn't it? But again, you hear me say this over and again. Walk the talk. Walk the talk. Not the talk. Talk is cheap. My pastor and mentor, Robert Gady, passed away several years ago. And he was a perfect example of what a Christian ought to look like. I never saw him lose his temper. I never really saw him lose his pa patience either. With me especially. <laughs> you know, I always saw him loving, encouraging Never heard him say anything negative about anyone. And Paul said, if you know someone like that, look at them, learn from them, mimic them, imitate them. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of a person as well. That I want people to see me and say, I really never saw Pastor Nick lose his temper. I never really saw Pastor Nick lose his patience. 
I saw Pastor Nick always smiling, always encouraging, educating and teaching and rebuking if it's necessary in love. Never talking about anyone in negative way. Not having a critical spirit. Can you join with me, brothers and sisters, that we can be that kind of a man and woman at Uptown Baptist Church? Amen? The question is, what type of example Paul set that others are to follow? I believe it was his deep desire to grow in maturity and develop as a Christ follower. Paul, this desire was described in the previous verse, in verse 7. If you back up with me in your Bibles, he said this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. The gains that Paul was talking about was his impressive background, his resume. And he mentioned in the previous verses, 5 and 6, if you back up to your verses. And there were many. And these were some of the things that were impressive about him. First, he was circumcised on the eighth day, following the commandment of God to Abraham. Second, he was an Israelite. Israelite are chosen, God's chosen people. Third, he was the tribe of Benjamin, meaning the elite of Israel. Fourth, he was born of Hebrew parents. He was a pure Hebrew, and he spoke Hebrew. Fifth, he was trained as a Pharisee. No man knew better than Paul. Sixth, as for his zeal, he persecuted the church, as you and I know of. To the Jew, zeal was the greatest quality of his life. Second, excuse me, seventh, and the last, as for righteousness based on the law, what does he say? Faultless. Paul is saying there was no demand of the law which he did not fulfill. Paul's case in point, all of those, all of the things that he mentioned, he believes were important to the eyes of the world, but in fact, to him, it was useless. Compared to Christ. Paul is saying, all of my human achievements mean nothing to me for the sake of Christ Jesus. How many of us can say that? Therefore, Paul goes on to say in verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. That I may, what? Gain Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, have you ever cherished something, valued something so much that nothing else matters? I want you to think about that. For Paul, it was all about Christ. Those impressive background and resume, that was nothing. He cherished and valued Christ so much that nothing else mattered. For Paul, it was all about Christ. Three things that mattered to him, if you see behind me. First one is sake of Christ. 
He did everything for the sake of Christ. Second, he gave up everything because of the worth of Christ. Third, he gave up everything, what? In order to gain Christ. The only thing that mattered to Paul was to gain Christ. Now, do you know why I love this man so much? Do you know why I want, now you know why I want to mimic this man and I want to follow him in his example. The question is, what about us? Do we have that kind of passion and zeal and fire for Christ? That everything we cherish and value over the years or that we have gathered, they mean nothing to us. You know, we're preparing to sell our home. So we're doing a lot of cleaning and decluttering. Over the years, we gather a lot of stuff. And some of the things that we cherish and some of the things that we value. But when I look at those things, they were just material stuff. They're just stuff. Yes, they may have some sentimental values, but none of those stuffs I can take it to heaven. They're just stuff. And the question again, some of the things that we cherish so much, some of the things that we value so much, they're just stuff. Your diploma that you value, your degree that you value, that's just stuff. I don't want to downplay. Yes, it, takes a lot, it took a lot of work and study and sacrifice to earn that diploma. Yes, they're important. But they're just stuff, aren't they? It took Paul a lot of years to reach to the point where he was a Pharisee. It's a lot of sacrifice a lot of giving up his free time to study. Or he could be outside doing something else. But all those efforts that he put in to becoming a Pharisee, and all that impressive resume, they were, he says, they were nothing. Considering the worth of Christ. So when I look at my house again, and all the stuff that we acquired, that some of the things that we cherish, those are useless to me. Because what matters is him, amen? Do we consider everything a loss for the sake of Christ? Like Paul, all that matters is that we gain Christ. Um, some of you love football. And to some who don't know the game or the objective of football, I'll give you a quick cliff note or cheat note of the game. Well, there's two teams. There's two teams, and they are trying to outdo each other to score a touchdown. And the total yardage of this, I believe, is about 120 yards. And the, the team that has the ball, football, is called offense. And their objective is to try to get to the end of the end zone to, to score a touchdown. But it sounds easy, but it is difficult because they have an opponent they call defense to stop you from gaining yards or get, getting closer to the goal line. So you have the defense who's trying to gain yards, and you have the offense trying to stop them and take that ball away so they can be in return, the offense. 
The whole point is gaining yards at each time. You have four chances, and if you don't have that four ch- and if you cannot gain at least 10 yards out of that one of those chances, then you lose the ball. The point that I'm making is this. Life, this Christian life, is like a football game. Each day, we try to gain not yards, but gain Christ. Did I gain more yards today towards Christ from yesterday? If I, if the enemy or if the defense pushed me back, then I lost yardage in terms of gaining Christ. Have you lost yardage? Since yesterday, that's not what God wants. As Paul says, God is teaching us, we gain Christ each day. Closer and closer and closer. Because our end of the goal line is not the field goal. Our end of our goal line is the kingdom of heaven. Are you closer to the kingdom of heaven today versus yesterday? That's what it means, gain in Christ. But there's also a problem. There is an opponent, opponent in our, in, for us too. It's called the enemy of Christ. And that enemy of Christ is going to do whatever it takes to stop you from gaining any yardage from you. When I was in high school, I played uh, football. And I was too small for a linesman, but I was fast. So I played what? Running back. So I made good friends with my linesman. I said, man, you need to protect me, okay? Sometimes I would bring them some cheeseburgers or hot dogs. Chicago-style hot dog, and they go, man, Nick, I got you. I'm not going to let anyone touch you. So they were my linesmen, and the, what the linesmen do is what? They create an opening, and as soon as I saw an opening, what did I do? I ran, and I was good. I was good not because I was not only fast, I was good because my linesmen opened the way, and they protected me. Amen? We have a linesman too. You know who that linesman is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our linesman, and he, he will clear the path. He will open the path so that we can gain closer, closer, closer to Christ and to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So you better thank the Holy Spirit that is in you. Paul calls to follow the, his example was an urgent because there was some enemies of the cross, as he says. These enemies of the cross, they came to the church trying to influence people to turn away from Christ. They were hanging around other Christians and say, hey, trying to influence them not to believe in Christ. That's why he calls them the enemy of cro- enemies of the cross. Notice in verse 18, Paul says this, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Now, the Greek word for tears is kalo, which means to weep. Now, I thought this was interesting. Why would Paul weep over the enemies of the cross? Why would Paul weep over these people that tried to stop Christians to gaining yardage to Christ or to draw closer to Christ? As I looked at this, is that it reveals the heart of Paul, that he has this heart for the unsaved. And even though they're enemies of the cross of Christ, he cries over them. And when I looked at this, it challenged me and asked me, made me to ask the question, do I cry? Do I weep over the people that are unsaved? Or do I say, they deserve it because they're enemies of the cross of Christ? My dear brothers and sisters, Uptown Baptist Church, my family, do we cry and do we weep over the lost souls in this community, in this world? Do we? If we want to follow the example of Paul, then we ourselves need to weep over the, over the unsaved and the lost souls. Amen? And as we weep over the lost souls, who may they be? Your neighbor, your neighbors, your co-workers, your colleagues, your fellow students, who, your, your family, whoever may, they may be. You weep over them. You pray for them. But not only you pray for them, it doesn't matter if you're an introvert, but what matters is that they're unsaved, so you have to reach out to them. Do we weep over the lost souls? Paul, even though they were the enemies of the cross, he wept over them because they rejected the cross. He wept over them because they were passionately pursuing the things of the world rather than pursuing Christ. The cross was meaningless to them, so Paul wept over them because the road they were on was what? Road to destruction. Notice in verse 19, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. This should make us weep when we see the unsaved because their destiny is damnation. And that's why Paul wept. Loved ones, do we love people that much like this man? Remember, the second greatest commandment that Jesus gave is, love the, is to love your neighbor as you love yourselves. And are we loving our neighbor? Remember, again, Paul's reminding, if they don't know, if they're enemies, their destiny is damnation. The Greek word, and it says, there's God is their stomach. The Greek word for stomach is koilia. Also refers to not only the stomach, but the inner man. 
you see. That's where the English translation fails us. It's talking about the whole inner man or inner person. So Paul is saying the sensual desire of the inner man has become their God. The pursuit of physical personal needs, what and where to eat, how and where to live, and what to spend to satisfy their own pleasure. Personal pursuits can hinder us from gaining Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying personal, pursuing personal needs are, not, are bad itself. They're not. But what I'm saying, and Paul is reminding us, that if our personal pursuit of needs in our own lives are going beyond Christ, and they become, Christ is secondary, and our personal needs of pursuit becomes primary in our focus, then there is a problem. Amen? And that's what's happening with these people. And that's why he said, their God is their stomach. Are we thinking about what we're going to have for lunch while we're here listening to the Word of God? You know. My brothers and sisters, let us have, let us be men and women per passionately pursue Christ. Let nothing or anything Absolutely nothing hinder us from gaining Christ. Amen? Paul says, when men and women seek personal things, their mind is not on the heavenly things. But you notice he says, their mind is what? On earthly things. They look at the world to define who they are, what they should do, how should they live, what would fulfill their deep longing, what would bring peace, happiness, and satisfaction. That's the person that has the mind on the earthly things. And that same person feels empty over and over and over again. And that is why when you look at the the wealthiest neighborhood, the pharmacist will tell you, the local pharmacist will tell you, the number one medication that is prescribed to these high upper class people who seem to have everything is antidepressant medication. Did you know that? That's what the pharmacist will tell you. Because they have all the stuff, but yet it do not satisfy them. Because God made it in such a way that the stuff in the things of the world will not satisfy us. The only way that you and I will be satisfied, the only way that we will experience joy is when we have Christ Jesus in our hearts. Amen? That's the only way. But as followers, we do not allow the world to define us of who we are. Amen? But as followers, our destiny is not damnation or destruction. And our minds are not set on the earthly things. But we have the mind of Christ. That's what we talked about last week. And our eyes are not fixed on these earthly things, but on 
heaven, the things that are above. Notice in verse 20, Paul said this, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Philippi was under the Roman colony. And the Romans would set up their colonies mostly through military in different areas. And Philippi was one of them. Philippi was never a full Roman citizen. They were foreigners. The Philippians were never considered a Roman citizen. Rome were very Romans were very proud of who they were, how they dressed, and they reminded people that I am a Roman citizen. You never forget that. And they never forget that, that they were a Roman citizen. Paul's point is, 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 is this, to Philippians, to the, the church of Philippi, is that Romans never forget they're Roman citizens, so you should never forget that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Never forget. And live your lives in such a way that you are a citizen of heaven. May your life reflect that. When I was seven years old, I immigrated to, uh, to the United States uh, from South Korea. It came in and, 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 and I said, wow, this is United States, it's huge. And, and eventually, I, eventually I adapted and assimilated to the Western culture. Though that I was still a Korean citizen, I forgot that I was a Korean citizen because I assimilated and adopted to the U.S. culture. The problem with us Christians, sometimes that we, 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 we live in this world and we allow the, the world to influence and dictate how we think. And we assimilate into this culture, into this world, Though that we are foreigners and though that we are citizens of heaven, we forget that we're citizens of heaven because we allow the world to dictate and influence us. That's the problem of Christianity today. Can you say that when you look at a Christian and a non-Christian, is there really a difference? Because we forgot. Just as I forgot that I was a citizen in Korea. We forget that we're citizens of kingdom of God. Amen? And, and because we are citizens of God, that's where, again, you would hear me say this over and over and over again. That's where we find our identity. That's where we find our security. That's where we find our hope. And that's where we find our existence. Nowhere else, amen? By the way, I eventually became citizen of the U.S. <laughs> but that's secondary to me. Amen? I am a citizen of heaven, amen? Can we say that with boldness and courage and confidence? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Loved ones, we must never forget that. 
Notice in the latter part of verse 20, Paul said this, And we eagerly wait a Savior from there. From where? Heaven. Because we're citizens of heaven. The Lord Jesus. And when Jesus comes, Paul says in verse 21, Who by the power that enabled him, meaning Jesus, to bring everything under his control. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of confidence that everything will be under his control. And when Jesus comes, Paul says in verse 20, he will bring everything under his control. And because everything will be under his control, Paul says in the latter part of verse 21, and this is pretty cool to me. Listen why this is pretty cool. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We will be radically transformed. Not just our physical body, but our whole being. The Greek word for lowly is tapnosis, which means low estate, humiliation. We all know our bodies will go through changes. We go through sickness, and eventually we go through death. But our low estate, Paul reminds us, will be transformed to be like Jesus, to be like his glorious body, that our future bodies will be like his resurrected body, glorified body. Amen? You don't like your body? Don't worry. Because you'll be glorified. Amen? I don't like my body. I want to be tall, taller. By the way, Brother Moe's kind of made that joke. He said, you know, this, this man, we're talking, and he said, he was referring to, this is a side note. He said, this man was tall, and he says, nothing against short people. And he looked at me. <laughs> Where are you, Brother Moe? <laughs> but I'm confident in who I am. Amen? Because I find my identity in Christ Jesus. I know Tim is tall, and he's, you know, I, I, and, uh, and so, but it's all, it's all good. But I'm confident I am, and then one day, you will be glorified, I will be glorified. That's where we lay our hope in. Amen? In closing, a missionary couple who served in the mission field for 40 years were coming back home. So as they were exiting their ship, the missionary man noticed a group of crowd on his left that was welcoming back home this one family. And in his mind, he said, perhaps if I look at the right side, there'll be some one or two people welcoming back us home from the mission field. To his disappointment, Nobody was there. So you could imagine this missionary man was disappointed. So that evening he went back to his home. He got, his, he got on his knees on his bedside and said, Lord, I served in the mission field over 40 years. It would have been nice 
if one or two, even just one person, to welcome us back home. But there was no one. And he was on his knees and just really praying to God because he was really hurt. And then he heard a gentle voice. Says, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And immediately he realized, yes, I am not home yet. Because when I go home, there will be saints and there will be Jesus welcoming me back home. Amen. And my brothers and sisters, Uptown Baptist Church, you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And when you go home, and that day comes, and it will come, Jesus will say, welcome. Good and faithful servant. Amen? So meanwhile, let's get to work, Uptown Baptist Church. Amen? Because I'm on... Because I'm on turbocharge, and I want you to join with me and be on turbocharge. Amen? Because we're going to change this community, and we're going to turn this community and this world upside down. It only took 12 men to turn this world upside down, and we got more than 12 men in this family of God. Amen? I am done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you when we love you. We thank you that you remind us that we are citizens of heaven. And we're not home yet. But meanwhile, while we're here, empower us to work hard, faithfully, that each day that we gain Christ, that we will weep over the souls that are unsafe that we will pray for them and reach out to them and share the gospel with our lives. And one day we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.